0: Hello and welcome to the Speaking For Him Podcast. As always, I am your host, Andrew Gommason. I get excited each and every week to come alongside you and to give you some encouragement in the Christian life. And so here we are again. Uh, Folks, we are now uh, past Election Day, and I must say I was very disappointed and discouraged with the way things went in Michigan. Um... And we will get into that in a few minutes. Also, our main topic of the day is the new movie Till, which is the story of Emmett Till, uh, which is a very tough story to see and definitely is recommended for older viewers. But nonetheless, I am very glad that they made the movie. And I hope that older teens and adults will watch it so that they can recall... Uh, the history of our country and learn from it and be grateful that we have learned lessons from that era as well. Um, I think that when we talk about racism today, the things that we talk about are often very mild offenses compared to what happened to Emmett. And so as we dig into that, I hope that it will give people on both sides of these issues a great deal of perspective. But before we do that, let's get into what is going on. Well, as I said, we had election day this past week and things did not go as I was hoping in uh, a lot of ways for the state of Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer was re-elected governor, and Dana Nessel was re-elected secretary of state. Um, and perhaps most devastatingly, Proposal 3 was passed in the state of Michigan. And I believe the last time I looked, with all the votes tabulated, it was somewhere around 65 percent of voters in Michigan voted for this monstrosity of a ballot proposal and codified into the constitution, not only abortion up to birth, but also some other pretty nasty things if you get below the surface of this measure. The reality is that the right to life of Michigan has been working for almost 50 years to limit the scope of abortion and to protect women, particularly minors, from the dangers of being coerced into abortion. And well, I don't know exactly how this is going to play out, um, for all intents and purposes it appears that, for the most part, these measures have been wiped off the books or have at least uh, lost a lot of their power to affect change within the state. Here are the thoughts that I had the day after the election. Hello, everyone. Andrew Gamson here. I just wanted to get out here and share with you some of my thoughts on yesterday's election. I come to you a, a very... Heartbroken man. Because I love this state. And I love my country. And I love the fact that we get to make decisions about our leaders. This state has made a decision to once again put ourselves in the hands of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Who told us at the outset of her campaign for governor that her sole purpose was to fight with everything she got to preserve the right of abortion for all of her constituents. I've never understood how a party could be so bent on eliminating its future supporters. That is, in point of fact, what you do when you endorse abortion. And I know there are any number of things you could tell me about the reasons people have abortions. And I sympathize with people who feel that they have no other option. And I do believe that even as the sun rose today, it's still my responsibility as a godly pro-life man to extend these options with compassion and with understanding. But that does not take away from the fact that a proposal that fundamentally changed the landscape of Michigan as far as abortion goes passed resoundingly. The reality is that for the past 50 years, Right to Life of Michigan has fought some tough battles to ensure that we would have restrictions on abortion, things like parental consent and anti-coercion laws that were perfectly reasonable things, even for those among us who somehow find a moral right to abortion in the Constitution. The reality is those laws don't have the holding that they once did. And it may be very true that your minor child, who couldn't even get a Tylenol or an Aspirin from the school I worked at without being on a list, can now make fundamentally life-changing decisions about their body as a minor without you even knowing it. That saddens me. It saddens me deeply that well over a million people voted for Gretchen Whitmer again after what we went through with the pandemic and the way that she treated people. But what saddens me even more is the number of Christians who have high moral views but don't allow them to be reflected in the ballot box. I understand, ladies and gentlemen, that my hope should not be in the ballot box of the state of Michigan. but I also know that we have a unique opportunity here in the United States of America to make our voice heard. And it saddens me that we had 3 million, maybe even 3.5 million votes cast for governor, but there are 10 million people in the state of Michigan. That means there's a lot of people that didn't make their voice heard. And I would venture to guess that a great number of them are just people that say, well, I'll pray about the situation and leave it to God. Yes, you should pray about the situation. But as my cousin so aptly pointed out, David prayed too. But he also had to pick up a rock. We had the opportunity to pick up our rock yesterday. And I'm afraid so many of us did not do it. Now where does that leave us? It leaves us heartbroken but not defeated. Because God is on the throne. Jesus himself said that if you make one of these little ones stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be cast about your neck and that you'd be thrown into the sea than that you would be allowed to do that. And he is the ultimate judge and arbiter of these things, and I believe that he will handle them. But it's going to be a hard few days And so I just ask you, my friends and family and followers of Speaking for Him, that you would continue to be a light, continue to stand in the gap. Don't fold on the truth. Do what's right, even if the world is against you. Because eternity counts on you to do that. And we need to be that example for our children and for those who will come after. Have the best day you can. This is Andrew Gomison for speaking for him, saying, keep serving the best of masters. And as I reflect on those comments a few days later, I feel a lot more hopeful than I did at the time that I did that recording. I believe everything I said there, that we have a Christian group of people who do not feel the need to be involved in what is going on in our country and that we are suffering the result of it. The Bible says that things will wax worse and worse, and surely we are seeing that. But when things wax worse and worse, what is our response to be? The response of believers is to shine brighter and brighter. And so I hope that this encourages you, that we need to be involved. We need to be on the front lines. We need to be caring for the vulnerable. Listen, I care for every individual involved in the abortion decision. I care for the mothers, I care for the fathers, I care for the children. And I realize that codifying this into our state constitution is just symptomatic of the fact that we have not prioritized life as a people. I realize that changing Hearts is is more important than legislation. But it aches to see that there are so many hearts that have yet to be changed. And I feel like there's a great number of deceived people who actually thought they were doing women a service by voting yes on this bill. My brother-in-law Thomas astutely pointed out that he felt that as the governor's race went, so would the Proposal 3. And he was right. Gretchen Whitmer won the governor's race, and she will be our governor for the next four years once again. And so I will commit to praying for her and her administration as I have in these past four years and hopefully even more regularly and ardently. Sometimes it's hard when someone is so diametrically opposed to you to realize that they are a human being worthy of love, that God created them as a divine Expression of his creativity just as he created you, and that is indeed the case for Gretchen Whitmer, for Dana Nessel, and for the rest of her administration. So, if I could encourage one thing in the wake of these events more than any other, it is to pray for them. God is in the life changing business, God is in the prayer answering business. And I hope that this drives us to our knees, realizing that he is in control, that he is sovereign, and that he will go before us whatever happens. In the midst of the turmoil that I was experiencing watching the Michigan election returns, there was hope across the country. I want to direct your attention um, to a young lady by the name of Katie Britt, She ran for and was successful in becoming the next U.S. Senator from the great state of Alabama. She is a godly woman. She is the youngest woman in the Senate. And she is the first woman to be elected Senator by the great state of Alabama. And here is an interview that she did after her victory.
1: All eyes are on Capitol Hill today where Congress returns for the first time since the midterms and newly elected members of Congress arrive for orientation. It includes our next guest who won a historic seat race, a Senate race, as the first female senator ever elected in the state of Alabama. Senator-elect Katie Britt joins us now. Good morning to you. How does that feel? How does that sound? Senator-elect.
2: It is surreal. Uh, when we entered this race, obviously, there are very few people who thought this was possible. And so to, to be sitting here with you today, uh, to be preparing to go into orientation, to be fighting for the American people, it is exciting um, and, and humbling. I feel so sorry for those those races that aren't haven't been called yet because those individuals
1: don't get to go to orientation today. But congratulations. You won by 36 points. That is huge.
2: Why do you think you won by so much? Listen, we talked about what the American people were talking about. We used a grassroots strategy where we went to every single county in our state we listened to voters, not lectured them. It was clear that the country that my husband and I grew up in versus the country we're raising our children in, while it's not too far apart, it is worlds and worlds away. And people believe that it's time for new blood, fresh blood in Washington. They're excited to see people. I am 40 years old, excited to see my generation stepping up to the plate to offer solutions and to be a part of moving this country forward and saving the American dream for our children and our children's children. You're also the youngest Republican woman to ever serve in the Senate and the only
1: woman in the Senate to have school-aged children. We've heard a lot from mama and papa bears. What do you plan to do
2: for our schools and for our kids? Oh, yes. Well, let me tell you something. The Republican Party is the party of parents. We're the party of hard-working Americans. It's exciting to be that voice at the table. I don't have to ask people what our children are being taught or what moms and dads are going through. I can bring that experience right to the front. I'm listening to parents, too, and and I'm experiencing it myself, everything from the price of gas and groceries to what our children are being taught in school. Moms and dads want our children to be educated and not indoctrinated. We live in the greatest country on the globe, and making sure that our children have the potential to reach uh, the American dream, the one that is allowing me to sit in front of you today, is critically important, and that's what we're going to fight for in the U.S. Senate.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we're we're waiting on this runoff December 6th in Georgia to figure out if Republicans are going to win that seat or Democrats are going to win that seat. How do
2: you plan to work across the aisle? Absolutely. Well, listen, we need Herschel. So I hope that everyone that is listening will go to com. It is critically important that we get him in that seat as we work to make sure that we put America back on the right track. Under Joe Biden, every state has become a border state. We must seal and secure the border. We must create a. Uh, we must create an opportunity for safe communities, and so we're going to work hard, uh, no matter who's in the Senate, to achieve that goal. I know it has been a long year for you. You had a tough primary,
1: and then you've been working hard for your Senate seat, and to represent the Republican Party. Katie, we are just wish you all the best. Thank you so much Thank for you. serving our country. I look forward to it.
0: Katie is a bright, articulate young lady who typifies great optimism for our country, and She wants to fight for mothers. She is a mother, and she wants to make sure that the future is bright for her children. And I was just really impressed when I saw a little clip of her victory speech on election night.
2: There's not much more I
3: can
0: say after that, except, ladies and gentlemen... It's my honor and privilege to welcome United States Senator-Elect Katie Briggs!
2: Y'all, we did it! Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, First, if I can get my hair out of my face, um, I would like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With, yes. Y'all, without him, none of this—and I mean, none of it—is possible. Um, Second Corinthians twelve nine says, "As he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee; my strength is made perfect in weakness." And over the last eighteen months, um, as many of you have gotten to witness, there's been a lot of ups and downs. And there is no doubt that we got through this because of his strength. That is what carried us through. (laughs) And y'all, thank you, Alabama. Oh my gosh. From the shoals to the shores, to the Gulf Coast, to the Rocket City, to the Wiregrass, and everywhere in between, you all gave me a shot. You gave me a shot to earn your respect And your vote. You allowed me to listen to you. To hear your story. To learn your concerns. To learn your dreams. And what you hoped the future to be. You are what make this state so special. And you are who I am so proud to be able to represent. Thank you.
0: Every time I listen to that. It makes me emotional. I would encourage you to go to my blog and watch her whole speech. It is very powerful. And I'm praying for Katie as she goes to Capitol Hill that she will bring the light of Jesus Christ to that office. And that she will shine brightly for him. This clip of her speech actually started out with a very heartfelt prayer from a pastor friend of theirs and he quoted from the Psalms and it was just very powerful to see the sincerity of their faith and I just love the way that she and her husband work together on this campaign. Um and I I just can't wait to see how they will impact things in Washington, and I'm so grateful for Alabama. So God is really moving in other parts of the country. So for those of us in Michigan who may be in a little bit of a funk right now uh, because of the way things went, uh, we can have hope that there are people going to represent the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in the U.S. Senate. And another one of those shining lights is Marco Rubio, who was reelected as a senator from the great state of Florida, um, along with Ron DeSantos, both quality guys. But Marco Rubio, when he got up to give his victory speech, he surprised me uh, because he included the gospel of Jesus Christ.
4: Thank you. Gosh, it's uh, it's great to be here gathered in the red... County of Miami-Dade. I, uh, I, first let me begin, there, there's so many people I could thank, all of you for coming tonight. I, I want to begin thanking um, our Creator God for allowing me to be an American, a citizen of his greatest country, uh, his only begotten son, and th- th- my faith is that uh, God became man. His name was Jesus. He walked the earth, he'll come again. And uh, because of him, uh, we will be able to live an eternal life. And uh, Obviously, I'm grateful for winning an election, but I'm really grateful for all the blessings I've been given, the friendships, obviously the family, this extraordinary honor to represent this extraordinary state, and the chance to be a citizen of the greatest country in the history of mankind. So I'm going to tell you right now what the media stories are going to be. They're going to be, this is amazing, the Republicans won by you know, 13 points, 15 points. It's unbelievable, they won Miami-Dade County. Guys, you know what? Politics is really not that complicated because Americans are not all that complicated. We're diverse people, but we're not a complicated people. What Americans basically want is what my parents wanted. It's what all of you wanted. It's what people want all over the world but have been able to fulfill here. They want to be able to have a job that pays a decent wage. They want to be able to live in a home that they own, in a neighborhood that is safe. They want their kids to go to schools that teach truth. They want to be able to retire with dignity, and they want all four of their kids to have a life better than the life they've had. This is not complicated. This is what they want.
0: So once again, I was encouraged by Marco Rubio and his bold stand for the gospel and his love for families. You know, it's kind of interesting because in the 2016 presidential election, uh many liberals were saying, or leading up to the 2016 presidential election, many liberals were saying that the republican party lacked diversity uh, that they were just kind of this party of old white men and yet there was such a great diversity with with Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and and Rand Paul and a number of other solid candidates Ben Carson just that screamed diversity and youth from the republican party whereas the democratic party all had essentially old white men, the exception the exception being Hillary Clinton, who would be the nominee who would then be defeated by Donald Trump. So I think it's really interesting that there still is a lot of diversity and youth in the Republican party. And the reality is that as Marco Rubio was doing his acceptance speech, he was greeting his constituents from Miami-Dade, which was a county that typically goes Democrat, but it went Republican, and it helped both Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis get reelected. And so I just wanted to share some hope um, as we are going into these next two years um, that... That there are godly people out there who are fighting for America and that we cannot lose hope. And that above all, we need to pray and seek God for the future and ask him to continue to show his mercy on America. Not because America is exceptional, but because he loves us. Remember, that's what he said to the children of Israel. He said, I didn't choose you because you were exceptional. I didn't choose you because you were great. I chose you because I loved you. Very important reminder for all of us today. All right, well, as we move into our movie review today of the movie Till, I just want to say right off the bat that I was impressed with this movie because as I looked up the information after watching the film, I found that it is, for the most part, extremely historically accurate. This is something that I always do with biopics of one kind or another. I always look to check to see if they over something or missed something key, and it appears that they told the story well. And so that is something that Till gets right right off the bat. And as I said earlier, uh, it is a movie for older viewers. I would say probably 16 and above would be a good age range to watch this film and I think it is an important film to watch with your family and to have discussions about the past of America. We cannot ignore the fact that we as an American society did some very foolish things and allowed some very foolish things. The interesting thing about this story is there was a situation where Emmett Till was born in Illinois He was living in Illinois with his mother and he was making the trip to Mississippi and his mom actually told him, be small there, don't stick out, don't be overly flamboyant or demonstrative because things are different in Mississippi than they are in Illinois. Should they have been? No. But the fact of the matter was they were and Emmett would pay the price. And I will get into this movie in more detail after I share with you the trailer for the movie Till.
3: This was my boy, Emmett Till. I got a letter today from Auntie Lizzie. She said, Bo's been working the fields. <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh, he just doesn't understand how different things are in Mississippi. Are you listening? Yes. Be small down there. Like this? Emmett never thought anything would happen to him. Rawr! Meet the mummy, Simmy. Ow! <laughs> he just wanted to go on vacation and have fun with his cousins. But if my son could just get his feet back onto the Chicago soil, he'd be one happy kid. I don't know
0: why I said that. I want to talk to you about that boy. They've come for you.
3: It's hard to describe what a mother knows. First thing I noticed when I became a mother was that my hands were busy all the time. My hand knew him with my eyes closed. Just like I know his laughter in a crowded room. It's the same thing when you know all of someone. This was my boy. Emmett Till. The body of Emmett Lewis Till has been found dead. Can I at least just fix them up a bit? No. They have to see it for themselves. You tell me, Mamie. How is risking your life going to help them?
0: Those pictures of your son change people's lives. I
3: can't look, baby. We have to. The lynching of my son has shown me that what happens to any of us, anywhere in the world had better be the business of us all.
0: So as you can probably tell from the trailer, uh, there's a lot of intense scenes in this movie. So that is why I gave the warning uh, that it should be restricted to older viewers. So the synopsis of this movie is basically that Emmett and his mother live in Illinois. They live a pretty quiet and peaceable life. She appears to have a job in some sort of secretarial pool at a business and she does well for herself and she is enjoying her life and her son Emmett wants to go on vacation to visit his cousins in Mississippi and as I said before, this trailer she tells him to be small there don't make a scene don't be overly vocal because things are different in mississippi and being the 14-year-old kid that he is he doesn't really heed that warning um he just thinks he's out there enjoying himself and he goes into a general store on a sunday morning i believe my research indicates that he skipped church that day going to his uncle's church, which was probably not a wise idea and went to the store with his cousins. Um, the proprietor um, was there and she was a young woman and he bought some candy and told her she looked beautiful. And then he left. Now, the, There are mixed reports about what actually happened that day. Some had said that he propositioned her improperly and that she was legitimately scared. Uh, There is evidence that she lied on the stand about the things that he said and especially about him being physical as a part of the attack. But whatever actually happened at the time of the events, um... A little bit later on, and and in the film, it, it seems like it's like the, the same day or the next day, but in real life, it was about five days later. This young lady's husband and his brother come, and they drag Emmett Till out of his cousin's house, and they torture him and later kill him and throw him into a river where he is then found a few days later and identified and then the bulk of the movie ensues, which is his mother speaking out on his behalf, going to the criminal trial and making sure that her son did not die in vain. Now, one of the most interesting parts about this story is that she opts not to have any cosmetic work done on her son's corpse for the funeral. And she opts to stay with an open casket. And this is because she wants people to see the severity of his wounds, the severity of his injuries, how much he was tortured before he died. She said, nobody will ever believe this if I do not uh, leave these wounds for the inspection of others. And apparently there was press there. Uh, they took pictures of this. And it really galvanized. The civil rights movement. Because of the stance. That she took. I really liked. The fact that. His mother was a strong person. Uh, Emmett's father. Uh, died. While serving in the armed forces. And definitely under unfortunate circumstances where he was actually convicted of a crime and killed for that. Um, And then Mrs. Till was left to raise Emmett herself. And this cast, let me just kind of start there. The cast was very strong. I'm not going to tell you the whole cast, but just let me give you a few of the cast members ...for this powerful movie. Danielle Deadweiler... ...plays Mamie Till Mobley... ...basically the lead in this film... ...because this film is about... uh, ...the mother's crusade... ...for her son. And... ...before I go any further... ...I want to share a quote of the day... ...because it actually comes... ...from something she said... ...in the movie. Our quote of the day says, I wanted him to be a boy and to not have his childhood taken away from him, but it happened anyway. And I think this speaks to every mother's desire to protect their child and every mother's anguish when they are unable to do so. So I thought that was a good uh, quote to highlight. And so Danielle Deadweiler, I hadn't really seen her In anything else that I know of. But she gives a very powerful performance. And then the next one of note is Jalen Hill. Who plays Emmett Till. And he just gives a great performance. You believe that he's Emmett. You believe in his naivete. You believe in his joy of life. And you truly grieve when his innocence is taken from him. And he is brutally murdered. Um, Then you have uh, Whoopi Goldberg as Alma Cawthorn and I'm not a big fan of Whoopi but she does a fine job in this role so credit where credit is due. Sean Patrick Thomas as Gene Mobley and he gave a powerful performance as well. Haley Bennett as Carolyn Bryant. Carolyn Bryant is the woman who accused Emmett Till and at least indirectly caused his death. Then you had Tosin Cole as Medgar Evers. Medgar Evers was a big part of the civil rights movement and he worked directly with Mamie Mobley um, at the time of her son's trial and actually spoke to her during the film about how this had affected so many others across the country. You know, when there's, when there's photos, you can't deny the carnage. And so people had to come face to face with who and what they were in that deep self place and time. Jamie Lawson was Merle Evers, who is the wife of Medgar Evers. And again, she gave a very powerful performance. So you can see this was well cast. And I really hope that Till gets some Oscars consideration because I really felt like the movie took you in and was extremely well done, extremely well acted. And there was great respect to the story. As I said, I always check uh, these movies for authenticity uh, before I review them. And it seems to have been spot on in the way that they portrayed it. And again, it's not a pleasant thing to contemplate. It's not a pleasant thing to watch. You don't go to a movie like this and like get your jumbo popcorn and your milk duds and just chow down while you're watching, you really wouldn't want to do that. But it is an important thing to see. You know, it's kind of like what I said when I gave my review of Unplanned. Unplanned was the Abby Johnson story, and you can look up that review in our archives of the Speaking for Him podcast. That was another film that was not pleasant to see, but was important to see. I was wrecked by it in the best way. Because you need to be wrecked by things that are awful. Uh, because it, it, it affects the way you live your life. And it helps you to make a commitment that nothing like that will happen on your watch. If you have anything to say about it. So as we, we go through the film, uh, we just see the events play out. He, again, he is beaten and killed and found a few days later. And then... The effort is made to charge his killers with his murder. Uh, it's a big deal to charge these two white men in the heart of Mississippi at a time when there would be no black representation on the jury, at a time when black people, especially in the South, like Mississippi, were thought of as less than, uh, they go through the trial As I said, Carolyn, uh, the woman in question, makes some false claims about what Emmett did, and she is believed, and these men get off. Uh, And it's very sad and very hard for the Till family to go through, but it's also very striking that after Mamie gives her testimony in the trial, she's like, I'm ready to go home. Her father says, Well, don't you want to stay for the verdict? And she says, I already know what the verdict's going to be. And if you didn't know the story before you watched the movie, you could tell by the tenor of her voice in that moment that the verdict was going to be not guilty. And so what happens is from that point on, Mamie makes a concerted effort to Uh, speak out for her son. I think the quote in the trailer is very significant where it says what happens to one of us should be of concern to all of us. It shouldn't matter to all of us. And I really think that is so true. And that is one reason why I care so much about the pro-life movement is because when one baby is is murdered in the guise of convenience or health care or reproductive rights, that affects all of us because we have downgraded humankind. And, and that's exactly what this era of history did. That's what the era of slavery did. All of these eras are about downgrading humankind. And so I really like the fact that this... Movie brings to light the fact that this was just a a simple young naive boy who was trying to give a compliment to a young woman and she took it wrong and it cost him his life. Now one of the most sad things is if them getting off from this crime wasn't sad enough. One of the most sad things about this is that in the postscript, you learn that a year later they were able to sell their story to a magazine and admit that they had killed him and not have to go to jail because Double Jeopardy was in effect, and so they could not be tried for the same crime again. And to me, that is sobering to realize that we are in a place uh, in America where if someone gets acquitted, they cannot be tried again for the same crime. And I know there's good reasons for that, but it's just kind of shocking how blatant they could be in admitting that they were at fault, but not having to pay the price. And the same thing with Carolyn Bryant, uh, who is brilliantly played by Haley Bennett. Uh, She has since admitted that the things that she said, particularly about his physical approach to her and the physical aspects of that incident were false. That she trumped them up, and it's really believed that that was part of the defense strategy, that perhaps she did not even think of those things until uh, they went to trial, but the defense is like, if we say that he was violent to you, then we can have a better shot at getting you off. And I just think about this incident that happened three years before my father was born, and I realize that in the grand scheme of time, it wasn't that long ago when our country was so divided when it was so bad that going to another state essentially cost him his life because he wasn't able to function in a different environment. And how sad to our country's history that we are supposed to be the United States of America, we are supposed to be unified, and yet that was the reality of the environment that he was going into was that these people were so blinded by racism and hate that they could not have a normal relationship with people of a different skin color than themselves. Uh, That is not at all biblical. Uh, The Bible says in Acts that we are of one blood. So um, we need to make sure that we are putting each other ahead of ourselves regardless of skin color. The skin color is another aspect where this is an issue uh, that shows forth the divine creativity of God. God didn't make a mistake when he made me white, and he didn't make a mistake when he made others black or any number of other colors. He has a wide palette of Creativity when it comes to the shades of melanin of various human beings. And we can be grateful that we all have the same ancestors, Adam and Eve. So, what did I like about this movie? I liked the fact that Mamie's community rallied around her. I liked the fact that her fiance at the time was able to stay with her and weather this huge storm uh, in their lives of losing Emmett. Um, there were several touching scenes with them and I appreciated how he said that he lost Emmett too. Um, and I thought that, as I said, will Goldberg gave a really strong uh, performance as Emmett's grandmother. And so I commend her for that. I, As I said, I really hope that there's some Oscars uh, that come out of this. And I just, I really was deeply impacted uh, by this movie. I, I think um, my least favorite part of the movie was definitely the trial. Uh, but it was based on truth. So you can't make it more pleasant than it was. And I think the goal of the director was to make you uncomfortable because it was a travesty. It was a joke, uh, this trial that took place. And there was even a marked push for a sheriff who had previously identified Emmett Till's body to later then say that the prosecution... Was making up the fact that it was actually Emmett. And that somebody put Emmett's ring on somebody else's body. Which he then of course later recanted and said. I was just trying to do that to throw people off. So that I think is the most sobering part of this film. There's another part of the film that's hard to watch when Mimi Mobley uh, confronts the pastor, uh, the cousin's father that Emmett was staying with and says, why didn't you do more to protect my boy? And he explains the anguish of the decisions that he made. And I'm sure to some degree wishing that he'd made a different decision, but realizing that there was no actual good decision to be made in this scenario. Again, another uh, powerful film. Um, and so I just really thought that this film was important. I think it's important for us to, to study our history. Um, You know, there's that famous line that says, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Um, So we must not allow ourselves to repeat vile history like this, and so we need to be aware of stories like this, no matter how pleasant they may be, so that we can seek to avoid similar circumstances in the future. The biggest lesson I take away from this film is, is that we are all human. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes that we made as Americans is to compartmentalize our fellow humans. Whether it was the Indian reservations of the 1800s and forcing them off their land onto other land so that we could take it, whether it was uh, interning uh, Japanese Americans into concentration camps during World War II, uh, whether it was having separate drinking fountains in the 50s and 60s, uh, none of these things are appropriate. All of these things are human rights violations. And today, we have perhaps the greatest human rights atrocity in American history, which is the atrocity of abortion, where we say that getting rid of a baby is reproductive health. The ironic part about that is that if you hadn't reproduced, you wouldn't need an abortion. Therefore, abortion is not, in fact, reproductive health. I would encourage you to watch this film with your family. I think it reinforces family togetherness. It shows that we need each other and we need to be there for one another and that if we are unified together, we can make a difference, come out of tragedy. She, meaning Mimi Mobley spoke out boldly for the civil rights movement, uh, throughout her life. And, she made sure that people did not forget who her son Emmett was and what he died for. And I just think it reinforces our need for the Lord Jesus because he is the ultimate peacemaker. He is the one that makes life worth living. And he is the one that created us all and is the great equalizer of the human experience. And so I hope that as you watch this film, as you learn from this film, that it drives you to your knees and encourages you to be a better Christian, to speak life into these debates, to show people that we are all equal in the eyes of God, that no one is more important than anyone else, and that he has a purpose for each and every person who he allows to come onto this planet and I was just really moved by this film and I think you will be too. Well, that's about all I have to share with you today. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you will take the opportunity to go over to my blog and see the links for the audio that I have posted and I hope that you'll watch the entirety of those clips because there's some really good stuff there. Uh, I thank you for listening. I thank you for being a constant support for speaking for him. If you would take the time to do a review of this podcast, either on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use, that would help other people find us. If you want to give feedback to me, please don't hesitate to send me an email, or contact me in some other way. Those options will roll at the end of the show, so please take advantage of them. Have a great week, and keep serving the best of masters.
3: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gamson, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's Speaking, the number 4.0.